you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And I have my timer here. Praise God. Now you know revival is coming when Porta's got a, re- a timer. Chapter 18, 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Uh, if I were to put a title to this, it would be, as we shared in the Sunday school class, a voice surrounded by echoes. A lot of echoes in the church, starting with leaders who are echoes, echoing what seems to be working in other churches. A lot of Christians are echoes. But the fact of the matter is, God wants you to be a voice, and the fact that you belong to Him, it means you can really be a voice. doesn't matter how young you are or old you are, you can all be a voice where God has planted you. Your neighborhood, your job, uh, your church, if you're not part of this church, maybe visiting. Uh, but God wants us to be a voice. And we live in a nation that uh, this past election's about the craziest election I've observed in my life. And I've been watching them since 1956. Okay, I was eight years old. And if you were to say that Donald Trump would be president of the United States, Hollywood would throw out the script. Before the election, I never saw a guy shoot himself in the foot more often with those goofy tweets. And, of course, everybody was assuming Hillary's going to win, and then to the shock and dismay of the left, he won. Now, you have to understand, he's a teenager with keys to the Porsche. <laughs> There's a lot of immaturity there. And it's just God's sovereignty that has placed him there. He's like Jehu, stirring it up. Jezebel's risen up. America is steeped in an antichrist spirit. That's what abortion's all about. Just one illustration. So we're in a nation that is an amazing nation. We love our nation. We are grateful for our history in this nation. But I don't think this nation will be the same ever again. We've been launched into a whole nother arena. Well, in the midst of that is God's people. Here we are. Here we are, Lord, and we belong to you. And now what would you have us to do? I want you to be a voice. I want you to be a voice. Clear sound. By the way, that flute, where's that flutist? Flautist. Remind me to prophesy over her at the end of my sermon. And you need to join Jeff when he does that song again, which is what we're going to do, okay? Fair enough? Good. What's your name, sister? Debbie? It's my youngest daughter's name. Deborah. Wow. She was the champion in the Old Testament. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 18. Now, this is a story within a story. The chapters here are about Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and God working in his life. So in chapter 18, Jehoshaphat gets into a compromised relationship with a king named Ahab, who's married to Jezebel. This was a foolish thing Jehoshaphat did, but he got sucked in somehow, seduced, and so he is in relationship with Ahab, and Ahab wants to go to war. He wants to go to war, and he wants Jehoshaphat to help him. 
So let's pick up our story, verse 4. Now, as Ahab is asking about this war in verse 3, let's go up against Ramoth Gilead. That was the enemies of Israel. And Jehoshaphat said, well, before we do that, let's get a word from God. Before you launch out into uh, warfare, before you launch out into a new phase of life or a new challenge, make sure you get a clear word from heaven. Is that a safe enough uh, principle? Why is that so important, by the way? I've had major decision times in my life as Kitty and I have pondered new chapter, new phase. And the foundational thing that was crucial was to hear from God. Because when you hear from God, what comes into your life? Faith, hope, love, confidence. So Jehoshaphat has enough discernment here. Hey, man, before we go to war, uh, okay, so Ahab says, that's fine. I'll ask the prophets. Verse 5, so he assembled the prophets. Now, here's the number, 400. They're actually on the payroll of the king. And there are 400 prophets. Now, they got a measure of anointing, evidently, in their life. They're called prophets. Forget the fact that they're false for a moment. They actually are prophets, and they dare to speak for God and release what they think God is saying. So the king says... Shall I go up and fight? And all 400 prophets immediately chimed in, go for it. Now their leader, what's his name? Gedaliah uh, is kind of the ring leader. Is that, no, that's not his name. Zedekiah. And so, and so all prophets reigned in or, or chimed in. Now, verse 6, this is crucial. This is important. Jehoshaphat. And you have to understand what happened in chapter 17. But in chapter 17, he just established the people in the word. That's a good thing. And Jehoshaphat says something's hollow here. Something's not ringing true. They're prophesying, but I'm not moved. It doesn't touch my spirit. They might be good, clever. They seem to be in unity, but something's not ringing true. Is there not yet someone else? Ahab got real sad, kind of sulked. Yeah, there's this one guy, but I hate him. Why? Never tells me anything good. He's so negative. He's always confronting me. He's always challenging me. He's always just releasing, and I just don't like him. In fact, I put him in prison because I want to bind up that word that doesn't make me feel good. So I banned him to prison. Well, Jehoshaphat says, man, that's a dumb thing to say. Let not the king say so. Now, you have to understand, these 400 prophets, I want to give you a New Testament portion of Scripture that lines up with this. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last days we're living in it right now. Paul is warning Timothy, and he says this. Listen, in the last days, there's going to be a lot of echoes, and they're going to really speak what people want to hear. 
because the people are going to have itchy ears, so they will accumulate unto themselves teachers, really echoes, and they will tell them what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. So that's what's happening here. So they sent for this prophet, and the king says in verse 8 to the official, bring quickly Micaiah. Now I'm looking at all these young people. It's so cool. I'll tell you what God is doing. He's going to do with the young people who want to. You've got to surrender. You've got to say, I belong to the Lord. And he's raising up a Micaiah generation. And there are going to be voices who will tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And they're going to be willing to stand alone. They're going to be willing to be outnumbered. But it doesn't matter because they belong to Christ. And they realized that their Savior was all in. And he manifests that on Calvary. So God is going to have in Ballotin, Minnesota, a group of Micaiahs under a serious anointing because of entering into deep worship. And you're going to tell people what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And it doesn't matter if you end up getting rejected. It doesn't matter if you end up getting uh, challenged. It doesn't matter if you even end up getting beat up. We're all in. Well, maybe I don't want to speak for all. Can you say I'm all in? I'm all in. I have no idea what this means, but I'm all in. See, I think there's going to be martyrs in America. I think it's going to get really serious. That election lands to boil. And all the infections coming out. The day after he was elected, they were rioting in cities. That's the first time that's ever happened in a presidential election. The day after he was inaugurated, Jezebel was in full force in that silly woman's march. A week later, they marched for pro-life. Ask the policemen who monitored both marches. Ask them the ones that spit on them, cursed them, defied them, looked in their eyes with hate, and then ask them the ones who came up with gratitude and tears flowing down their cheeks and embraced them and were willing to pray for them. Uh, you go ask them. And that's the polarization right now that we're living in. Uh, I love it. It's good. I, uh, for such a time as this, you're here. And so they call for this Micaiah. Now, I can't, this has happened many times he's come before the king. And he just goes back to jail. It's kind of a bummer of a ministry in the natural. He doesn't have a really good diet. He's on food and water, uh, food and, uh, water and bread. That's it. His clothes are rags. Okay. This isn't the traveling evangelist coming out of the Cadillac with a nice three-piece suit and money flowing, and he goes into the meeting and tells the chauffeur, keep the car running. As soon as we're done, we're out of here. No, no, this is, an, this is a guy living in jail because he loves God more than he loves anything. And I've come to a realization as I'm winding this thing up in my, I don't know how many more years I got, but I'd rather offend you than offend God. Now, I don't want to offend anybody, <laughs> but hear my heart. Well, I keep looking at these young people. I'll tell you what, this is good. Where's my man Owen? Did he get a dream? 
Did you get a dream last night? You're off the hook. <laughs> Owen had a powerful vision yesterday, wrote it down, did a wonderful picture on it, and we prophesied over him, but better him being a Pied Piper. And I said, you should share that vision with the whole church. He's no way. So I said, well, if you get a dream from, so you're off the hook. God didn't give you a dream. You sure? Well, he's being honest. Okay, that's cool. It's all right. You're off the hook for now. So I see this official. He's done this more than once. Maybe he's coming for the 15th, maybe the 20th time. Opens up the prison door, and there's Micaiah. Maybe they've gotten to know each other a little bit. I don't know. Micaiah, for once in your life, lighten up. All the prophets are telling this wonderful word of victory. It's all favorable to the king's ears. Micaiah, for once in your life, lighten up. Here's his response. Behold, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. So please let your word be like one of them and speak favorably. There's the bait. Just one time. Let it go. You ever see the movie Braveheart? She comes to him in prison. Just one time. We're coming to this time right now. Boy, this who's this guy? Kind of heavy. No, this isn't heavy. This is this is God grabbing a hold of your hearts if you'll let him. And bringing this church and you individually into a whole nother place of intimacy. Secret place. Hearing God like you've never heard God. And proclaiming the word of the Lord. I love it. Okay, where are we? We've got to keep going. How's my timer doing? Bummer, I only got 28 minutes. <laughs> As the Lord lives. What my God says, that I will speak. Boy, I pray you receive that. See, all those other gods that are false out there, they, they're dumb. They're wooden gods. They're stone idols. They, and that was the cry of the prophets generation after generation. Why serve idols that cannot speak and they cannot see? Why would we get seduced as believers into idolatry and get caught up with American culture issues, whether it's entertainment, whether it's all aspects of society that would rob your intimacy with Christ? They're all false. It's all a dead end. When I die and when you die, it's just what you have in Christ that you will present to your Lord at that wonderful judgment seat of Christ. Here it is, Lord. Wow. Now, I'm not telling you not to do things. I love to golf and I love to hunt. And I, and I got different aspects that make up my lifestyle. But I know the difference. When the line is crossed and it becomes an idol, trust me, I remember the year well. 1977, Cloquet, Minnesota, free membership at the Cloquet Golf Course. I was up there too much. And... I think I still have a nine iron somewhere in one of those trees. 
because it never came down. And I thought I was getting pretty good, and I remember the time the shanks came. Then I had a revisit 20 years later, 1997. You can ask Mike Nelson. They almost started interceding for me. They felt so bad on the golf course, I couldn't hit the ball. Uh, that's just God dealing with idolatry. And the time I missed that 10-point bucket, 15 yards with my bow, standing broadside. Thanks a lot, Brian. No, it wasn't at his farm. <laughs> now I got a crossbow with a, with, a, with a sight. We'll deal with that. And then I missed that deer in Cloquet and had my 30-day-old brand-new van, Toyota van. Remember the moonmobiles? And that thing had gotten in my heart. So on my way home Sunday night, I missed the deer Saturday hunting, preached Sunday morning on the way home. Guess what? I didn't miss the deer with the van. $5,000. It's 30 days old. I had to call my wife. I said, honey, you killed two idols in one incident. Wow. Amazing. As the Lord lives, what my God says, whatever he says, be a whatever he says voice. Now, a lot of what he says is really good. It's kind. It's merciful. It's incredibly gracious. But sometimes whatever he says is right in your face. And Jesus had a whip. It says, behold the kindness and the severity of God. Did Jesus have a lot of kindness? Come on, did he have a lot of kindness? Oh, boy, sinners just flocked to him. They, they ran to him, and he welcomed them. Did he have severity? Well, ask their backs, the whip, and cleansing of the temple. So whatever he says, say it's one thing to deliver the nice word. Everybody likes the nice word, but there's times when I need to hear. Everybody loves the steak and the baked, but, but eventually you got to eat the vegetables. Come on, kids. Whatever he says, I'll speak. So the king looks at Micaiah. There's 400 prophets over here, and it's a big room, and they're all dressed up in their festal kingly robes, and there's 400 guys there. Now, they don't really like Micaiah. He's never with them. He's kind of a loner. He just, I guess he just seeks God a lot. I, that's what I hear. But anyway, they, they look at Micaiah. Same question. Shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead to battle? Micaiah First response is satire. No doubt with a cynical voice, yeah, king, go for it. May you prosper and be victorious. Micaiah, I know you're not being true. Haven't I told you? See, this is, no. How many times, so we know he's been before the king a number of times, right? How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? All right. Here's what he showed me. I want you to understand here, there's two prophecies. Here's the first one. This is the mercy of God. I saw Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said they have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. They don't have to die today, including Ahab. Go home. 
You're not ready for war? Now, I'll just say quickly, there's a bigger drama being played out because it's really the story of Jehoshaphat. This is a chapter within a chapter. It's not time for Jehoshaphat to go to war. He's prematurely in a relationship that would get him into war that he could get killed. No, it's not time. Go home. Bless your wife. Be in peace. Ahab could have, but something happened where instantly he didn't like what he heard. Didn't line up with the 400 false prophets. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you? This is what he always does. He doesn't tell me what I want to hear. Didn't I tell you he would not prophesy good? He actually did. That's what the king is so deceived he doesn't see it. He gave him an out. God extended his mercy. You don't have to die today. You're going to die pretty soon, but it doesn't have to be today because there's a 20-year prophecy Elijah released, and this was D-Day for Ahab. He didn't really know that, but Elijah the prophet had released the word. So then when the king didn't receive that word, Micaiah gives him the rest of the prophecy. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne in heaven, And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said this, while another said that, verse 20, then a spirit came forward and stood before him. A demon somehow came forward and had access and came forward, and I'll do it. And the Lord said, well, how? He said, I'll be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Now, I don't have time to go into Matthew 24 and all of what's happening right now, even in this nation, concerning false prophets, false Christ, false apostles in America. So you need to have discernment operating. You need to be a lover of truth. We need to be intimate with Christ, worshiping our hearts out, because in that safe place of intimacy, you will have a discernment that can blow the whistle on the false and embrace the truth. Please say, I received that. I would like that operating in my life. I'm not even going to go into names. I'm not even going into popular places. But there is a mixture. There are lying signs and wonders. There's false things happening. But in the midst of that, God's also doing true stuff. God's also moving powerfully by his spirit. So I haven't come this far to get sucked into something. I'll go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, well, you are to entice him, prevail, go and do so. Now, therefore, behold, now this is going to make you really popular with the other 400 guys are listening to this prophecy in a big ballroom. This is where courage kicks in. This is where Micaiah could maybe back off. He said, here's the word of the Lord. God is judging the whole situation, starting with Ahab, and he sent a demon to become a lying, deceiving spirit in the mouth of all 400 prophets. Can you see their faces going red? Can you see their fists clenched? Can you see them begin to grind their teeth? You know what Micaiah's doing? He's just cool, confident, in rest. If you were in Sunday school, this is Stephen, right, in the Old Testament. He's got the word of the Lord. He's got faith. He's got hope. Boy, these guys don't get it. I don't care if they kill me today. I don't care if I die today. I'd rather offend 
them than offend God. So he just stands there and he delivers the word. You're all deceived. Zedekiah, the leader of the 400, came up to Micaiah. Wham! I don't think that felt good. Well, how did the Spirit of God go from me to you? Arrogance. Pride. He's got 399 Yahoo idiot echoes backing him up, so he hits Micaiah very strongly. Well, Micaiah said, you'll find out on that day when you're hiding for your life. Micaiah said, well, here's what happens. Look at The king of Israel said, take Micaiah and get him in jail quickly. He did it again. Take Micaiah. Return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king. Now, I want you to look at the dynamics here. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the king. Which word would you like to be under? Wow. And so, Micaiah goes back to jail. Bread and water. Fine. He's in peace with God because he was faithful to deliver the word of the Lord. And the king says, put this man in jail until I return safely. Micaiah said, "Uh uh-oh. King, if you come back alive, I just gave a false word. Right? And then he cries out at the end of verse 27, and he said, listen, Listen, my people. What a drama. I've got to find where I'm at in my notes. I got, it, oh, I know, I know where I was at. I think I know where I'm at. Micaiah's in prison. In the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of John the Baptist. Was he all sold out? Absolutely. Was he a voice in the wilderness, instead of an echo, calling people to repentance? But his main burden is just to manifest and release and turn his entire life and ministry over to Jesus. Cool. And then he finds out that Herod is married to his brother's wife, and he's an adulterer living in sin. He blows the whistle on him. Happens to John the Baptist. Prison. That's the whole point. Old and New Testament. Sometimes being courageous, being fearless, proclaiming. Paul, messenger of Christ, was in prison as much as he was in apostolic public ministry. And in that prison confinement, God has a bigger agenda working out, writing letters that for centuries will bring life to God's precious people. So sometimes being a Micaiah gets you into a constricted, confined place, and you wonder, man, am I doing God's will? Am I fulfilling God's purpose? Yes! God is sovereign. Sometimes I feel like I've been in a kind of 
prison. I've been in a kind of backside of the desert, and, and there's words that have come, and there's emphasis that have come, and it's been decades, and it's never fully happened yet, and I go to the Lord, and if I listen to the enemy, I get depressed, and I go to the Lord, and I got to begin to worship, and, and, and it's just not time. It's just not time, and then I'll remember Costa Deer, my spiritual father, totally sold out to Christ, 64 years old, and God said, you're not yet ready for what I have for your life. He broke and sobbed like a baby. So I'm going to submit to the eternal plan of God, and, and I'll tell you what, you might hit 80 like Moses and really kick it into high gear and go into a whole realm. And some of you have been sitting on words and sitting on prophecies, and you're sitting there with gifts, and you're sitting there with talents, and you're wondering, oh, God, well, now's the time to fully surrender. Now's the time to declare who is Lord of your life, and now is the time to declare, God, I'm willing to be a Micaiah, even if it costs me my life. There's no higher call. Stephen. Micaiah, that was my burden this morning, Sunday school in this session. Be a voice. Don't worry about being popular. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about salary. Don't worry about benefits. Don't worry about all that stuff. He will take care. Praise God. I, I got 12 minutes. It's amazing. I've been going 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Somebody said one time, you know, listening to you, Port, is like trying to get a drink out of a fire hydrant. <laughs> I said, I know. I just downloaded and I'm out of town. The best feeling I have now when I leave here, Ballotin, after all day yesterday and today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel like my, 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 my six, my, 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 Firearms have been unloaded. The guns are unloaded. The barrels are smoking, and we're we're heading we're heading out of here. Mike, fix it. Do whatever you can. Worship team, press in, press in, press in. Be that woman that grabs the hem of his garment, won't let go. Press in, because you'll open up the floodgates. For the body of Christ, church, press in. The number one thing in your life is Jesus Christ. The number one goal in your life is to know him, hear him, follow him. Press in, church. If you're not saved today, get born again. What are you waiting for? If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is foundational. Speaking in tongues, that is foundational. You have to do it. To deal with end time scenarios. Don't get tripped up with doctrine. Don't get tripped up with soulish insecurities and self-conscious foolishness. Die to that stuff. It's time to be a Micaiah generation. And I don't care if I die tomorrow. I'm going to be faithful to my Lord. Because I'll give an account to him someday. For what I said, February 26th in Ballantyne, Minnesota. I'll give an account for what, what, what I'm, I'm telling you that I believe is on his heart. Someday I'll give an account for this entire message. I won't give an account to you. I'll give an account to him. I'm not mad. I'm fired up. There's a difference. 
Years ago, you could tell I get mad. <laughs> I get in my soul strength. Still have too much. But uh, so they go to war. Joseph has a little insecure, so Ahab, he's trying to save his butt. It's called self-preservation. Well, that's kind of a scary word, God gets. So here's what I'm going to do, Joshphat. I'm going to dress in commoner's clothes, and I want you to put on the king festal robes. And I'm going to go incognito. So as they come up against the enemy, they're ready to let the bow fly and do in Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, hey, no, wait a minute. I'm not your guy. I'm not your man. And they recognize that. Jehoshaphat, by the skin of his teeth, gets out of an unholy alliance and a compromised position, gets his butt back to Judah where it belongs. And in chapter 19, verse 1, he's met by a prophet who rebukes him. What are you doing? Align with the enemy. Compromise. But there's some good in you. <laughs> in the meantime, the battle's kind of confusing and nothing's really happening. And then it just says a nameless archer probably closed his eyes, pulled back his bow, <laughs> released his arrow, and it landed right in the spot that wasn't covered. In Ahab's chest. And he's mortally wounded. And the blood begins to fill the chariot. And 20 years earlier, Elijah gave that prophecy that when God deals with you, your blood will be licked by the dogs. And they brought him back, mortally wounded. And he died under the judgment of God and went to hell. Chariots were licked by the dogs. Not too long after that, Jezebel will have her day. See, Trump's like a Jehu. He's a violent man in many ways. Unpredictable. And Jezebel, the Antichrist spirit in America, the lance has been boiled. Uh, the, the, the boil has been <laughs> Way to go, Chuck. That sounds really cool. The boil has been lanced. All the poison's coming out. I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know this. I belong to a rock. I belong to a kingdom. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not a citizen, really, of America. I am, but you understand the dynamics. I'm a two-citizen guy, and I'm not putting my faith in the White House. I'm not putting my faith even in the Supreme Court. I'm not putting my faith into anything horizontal in Washington. I'm putting my faith, my trust, my hope in the house in heaven, and I'm a citizen of that heaven, and I'm going to speak God willing, by his grace and mercy, I'll speak for him. 